0: Welcome to the Town to Learning Show podcast series, episode 21, with independent learning tech analyst, John Lay. Today, I interview Chad Stewart, founder and chief software advisor at SmartThoughts about the new diverse technology systems used by association and the challenges and solutions of procuring them wiser. You can find more of our content at towntolearning.com. Hello, listeners. Thanks much for tuning in to another episode. On this show, I'm fortunate to interview the world's leading experts in learning technology for associations and extended enterprise. Today, my guest is Chad Stewart. Chad has spent the last 20 years working with associations and nonprofits in varying capacities and is the founder of his own company created specifically to aid associations with enterprise technology purchases. Chad is expert at all things association technology, including procurement, and we're going to learn a lot today. Well, Welcome to the Talented Learning Show, Chad. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much, John. I appreciate you taking time out to include me in this.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait for our conversation. Uh, you and I are two sides of the same coin, as it turns out. We both help associations by helping them focus on uh, finding software that will help them address uh, their strategic needs. I focus on learning solutions. You focus on all the rest, uh, coincidentally. And so uh, today, let's let's dig in deep and talk association uh, technology, learning, and, and much broader than that. Uh, so that we can uh, give everybody an update on the, the the state of the union. So once again, welcome. Thank you. Tell us about yourself and uh, your consulting company, Smart Thoughts.
1: Sure, thank you. So Smart Thoughts are a software advisement and consulting firm, and so like you said, John, I mean I, I do really the the same thing you do. I work with organizations who are struggling with their buying decisions and assessing what they have and. Helping them through the course of evaluating and and, and figuring out what the best fit is for their particular organization. I, like you, are kind of unique in the sense that I don't derive any income from the implementations, training, support. I have done those uh, type of tasks, and I think those are very important. But I felt like it was really important for our organization to stay completely agnostic and impartial, and work with organizations uh, on the front side of the equation of of finding the best possible fit. And I felt like, um, in essence. you know, it allows me to stay, you know, in the in the um, evaluation process um, and get my head around a whole bunch of different options that might be the best possible fit. Um, so um, that's a little bit about us.
0: That's neat. We have uh, almost the exact same focus. Uh, we started our companies uh, about the same time, five years ago. Yeah, five years uh, ago. S- somehow.
1: We're- well, I will say that, John, I will say that I actually, my company, oddly enough, actually started in two thousand and one. But this oh. is the second iteration of the company because <laughs> at that time, when I started out, I was actually into implementations, training, support, and this time I felt like the market required, you know, someone who was dedicated to assessment selection and um, and and started five years ago. So.
0: Wow that's really interesting how did uh, how did you find yourself on that side of the fence you know there's not a ton of us out there that are selection experts exactly. of, of technology what wh- how did you find your way there
1: well uh, dealing with and working with associations for the last two decades I mean it wasn't um, a big you know step forward in terms of you know something that was silly out there but I think that honestly because there were so many new products that were in the marketplace and there's so much confusion about how you bought or purchased or procured systems i think there was a disconnect between you know um really the buyers and the and the, the sellers i felt like that having an in between intermediary there as an agnostic uh, guide and advocate made a lot of sense and so um that's why i started the second iteration of smart thoughts and founded it um, just solely on assessment selection because of that. But in terms of starting initially, it was really a, graduate, a gradual process. I started out in doing ERP and CRM um, implementations, training, support. And back a couple decades ago, things were different with regards to software, um, as you may know. Uh, we installed it on the desktops. off You know, we installed it on the servers. Uh, there were, you know, a lot of workstation type things to do and, you know, Obviously, the things that we do today with implementation and uh, train support were there as well. But there were a lot of changes in the marketplace, and uh, I started getting a lot of clients that were involved in membership-based type organizations, and it just kind of morphed into be specialist in the association and nonprofit world. Wow, excellent.
0: So uh, for all the listeners, what are the major technology components used in professional
1: associations today? What are those? Oh, ones? gosh, they're all over the place. I'll tell you. And it's 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 really nomenclature too because even in the for-profit space you find similar systems but they the acronyms are a little bit different. For example, CRM is the horizontal you know uh, terminology that's used for most you know uh, businesses today when they need to manage their their uh, customers, right? And with in the association space we have this thing called the AMS or Association Management System, uh, or Association Management Software. And um, that really is the, the equivalent, if you will, in some speak. But there's a lot, to, a lot more to AMSs than just CRM, which is somewhat of a component of it. There's the website. There's the financial accounting, the e-commerce. There's the event management aspect to it, the membership dues aspect to it. There's online community uh, components. And even in your world, the learning management system as well sometimes can be a part of the AMS ecosystem uh, in terms of its capabilities. Um, and so there's an email marketing is another big one. I failed to to bring out email marketing, marketing, uh, automation. Um, there's a lot of components that come into play when we deal with associations in terms of the IT stack or IT systems that are used, um, for sure. But there's, you know, best of class or best of needs systems, um, that are out there for a lot of the components that I just mentioned. Um, but oftentimes an AMS may purport to have that all in one. Does
0: that well, that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. It does. One of the things I've been so I certainly come at this world from or associations from the learning side. And one of the mm-hmm. things I really I've really had to grapple with is AMSs and, and trying to understand them. And uh, because AMSs have learning features and association LMS have AMS features. And so it, it's always it seems it's different in each association, you know, where they draw the line of what's AMS and what's other systems, uh, especially learning management systems. How how do you
1: describe the difference between an AMS and an LMS to your clients? When I sit down with organizations, the main thing that I do is, is define what their situation is, and usually that uh, that situation will define really what an AMS is to them, because it's unique for everyone. So when we start to pull back, um, you know, the layers of the onion, so to speak, it's really a, kind of define what an AMS means to them in their particular unique situation. And some people, it may be a large part of it, education and training, which would constitute having learning management. Now, I will say, and kind of going maybe, maybe into the trends of things, is that oftentimes people realize that, you know, you can't, be all things to everybody, and you, in terms of the AMS, it can't be all things to everybody um, as well, and so you'll need to have some best-of-class or best-of-needs system that will accommodate, for example, in your world, learning management, um, but it definitely is not a core competency of um, the overall AMS marketplace learning uh, management components, but there will be some abilities inside their system to do tracking of education, tracking of credits, for example, or dealing with certification uh, if you're a certifying body uh, that will be involved in their AMS system. But again, that is dependent on how the um, AMS provider defines what it is that they do, right? Because then that will be their core competency, that will be what they define an AMS to need to have. So it's really that's our job, my job, is really to find okay, what's most important to the client, what makes them unique, and that's the key unique um, to their organization. What's important usually that's uh, relates back to revenue. You know, where they derive majority of their revenue from? Sometimes it's dues, sometimes it's education, um, sometimes it's conference management. Um, so event management systems will need to be a part of that as well. Um, and then that kind of segues into other things like you know, the education side too. What
0: Would be some other trends that you're seeing in 2019 that are common among uh,
1: the different types of clients that you work with. The biggest thing that I'm hearing is that the need to align with third-party uh, systems and integrators. Uh, I think a, a big element that's funding kind of, uh, you know, AMSs today is the whole idea that as you grow in terms of sophistication and, and need in certain areas of um, – you know, of a system, you may outgrow it. And so the all-in-ones that we looked at of yesteryear that contain a lot of these um, tentacles of systems of components, um, they're they're finding that as they grow, and it doesn't have to be really equated with the size of the organization because I'm working with a small, you know, uh, association right now, less than five on staff, and um, they're very sophisticated. They have international you know, needs, and uh, they have some sophistication in their financial accounting. They have some very unique, um, you know, events, very – and majority of their revenue derived from events, so they need – they've really embraced the idea of, you know what, I'm not going to be able to get the traditional AMS. I'm going to need to find a system that does events uh, very well. So I'm going to also have to integrate with uh, that, and I'm also going to have to integrate with the website as well. So I think one of the biggest trends is that everybody's kind of getting the idea uh, as you grow. That an AMS can't do it all, and we need to kind of think about and be open to the I- idea of having a best of need, which calls for you know third-party integrators and integration components, APIs, you know, um, for these best of need systems to be, um, you know, incorporated into the workflow of their everyday, and not have to give up in terms of the understanding of their member information. Um, so, you know, maybe that they can't get the best of in email marketing or job board management or, um, you know, learning management, for example, community management, um, et cetera, et cetera. They will go out and, and, and find a system, an AMS, that deals with um, the core of membership management, um, and uh, then they'll add in the components they need in order to do their or reach their mission more successfully. So they may be looking at a different way in order to handle this, but they need to understand the underlying um, AMS is going to, you know, basically deal with these core things that an AMS has historically been required to do, and then we'll add in other functionality that's more best of class, uh, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. Another trend, John, is actually I think that it kind of coincides with that thought process is, is that, you know, we're looking at um, in the for-profit world, they're called CDPs or customer data platforms, and I think you're, you're kind of seeing a trend what people are talking about well i really just need a member data platform one that's going to basically contain a persistent you know unified member record that's accessible for all these other systems that we use uh that i mentioned like accounting and fundraising and other third party systems like email marketing we need to have one one you know um, truth of a of our member and understanding all the information that we ha- that we need to know about them and then we need to you know have it in one repository and allow that all these systems to be pulled in so that I can be more um, intelligent about how I use the data and report on that information. So member data platforms, I think are also something that I see a trend and people talking about as opposed to AMS uh, at this time.
0: Associations always seem to be strapped for resources and integration resources are you know, at a premium in the corporate America as well as in, in associations. So I guess, Two questions. Do you see that also, that they have a need for this data integration uh, because the AMS isn't everything, but they struggle with uh, the technical side of that
1: too? How, how do they solve that? Well, fundamentally, when they're looking for a system to change, um, they're looking for a system that's open and you know has standards that allow for back and forth integration capabilities. Um, a lot of the uh, uh, systems of yesteryear were closed-minded, um, and it goes back to the whole initial thought of an AMS is that they had to be all things to everybody. Um, and so a lot of the legacy systems have been around for a long time, maybe a little bit less apt to allow for integration of data back and forth, not just one way, but rather back and forth. So I think the more modern systems of today, the more modern AMS systems realize that Um, You know, they have to have an open API and connect with the other systems. So most organizations who, you know, are struggling with integration are usually dealing with an outdated technology that requires them to look at different systems Mm -hmm. um, so that they can incorporate other systems uh, and deal with those integration issues that were, as a result of, honestly, probably old archaic, you know, technologies they were built on and the systems that they had. So. I think when you one of the impetus for people to move is just what you just um, you know mentioned is that integration issues because their system won't allow for it because they they're closed they're closed uh, in terms of what they can and can't do with it. Um, so how they deal with it is change. <laughs> they change to a new system for one because they're not keeping up or that system they have isn't keeping up, um, or they're providing a provider that knows the mm-hmm. system pretty well and that has a third party relationship with that provider uh, for whatever um, system that they may want to be integrated with. Um, Does that make sense? So basically, uh, if I'm XYZ AMS provider, uh, I may have a a strategic alliance with an email marketing provider, for example. And so uh, avoiding some of the openness of having an API they've been able to deal with and allow kind of a closed-minded integration play, if you will, to address some of the issues they had with the, the existing platform that they have.
0: Regarding APIs, do you find that the new modern systems have productized APIs, like they have, uh, you know, an integration already with, uh, you know, with this marketing communication system or this e-commerce system, and that you just have to, like, put in a key and activate it and configure it? Or do you find that organizations are using like Zapier or a technology like that to hook systems together? Or do they really just want an open API system that they can work with, uh, you know, on a case-by-case basis for their, their integrations? Do you see any trends?
1: I think that um, a, a integration middleware like Zapier is, is, is really good. Uh, I don't see it very often actually being used uh, at the – enterprise software class in the AMS space um, as you do, say, within the general horizontal CRM uh, for-profit space. Um, But I think it's a a terrific thing. For example, what I mean by that is um, a, you know, XYZ AMS um, doesn't have or isn't using that type of provider with an email marketing system. Rather, it's through the API uh, Mm -hmm. that the system affords them. Unless, of course, it's a built-on-tops platform, uh, such as um, a, a Salesforce um, or a Microsoft uh, f- foundation of an AMS um, like Fontiva or Nimble or Altai or Protec um, on the Microsoft side, that you'll see somebody using those, you know, that middleware tool uh, to connect as opposed to just the, the API itself. Um, so kind of the other uh, aspect to your question was um, the, just building out the standard integration. I think that's certainly still prevalent. One of the things that I always encourage people to take a look at that kind of gives a lot of insights is look at their uh, AMS provider's partner uh, listing. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, it provides you with a wealth of information. You probably do this on the LMS side, too, is it gives, one, an indication of, honestly, what they fail at. or they don't do very well. For example, if you see a lot of folks uh, as a um, you know, they have email marketing in the AMS partner world. uh, You might not find a lot of email marketing capabilities within that AMS system. That's good enough for their clients. They had to go out and define and get a partnership and develop it uh, out of the box and have it play with whoever is out there. Um, and so that's that's one admission to a certain degree that they, you know, have clients that have asked for it because you and I both know that they don't spend a lot of money unless there's going to be some value there. And so they may have been able asked to keep some clients as a result of having the integration, so they developed it and paid for it in concert with that third-party provider. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's still not – I couldn't say there's really a, a trend per se, um, but I think that uh, – People are realizing that there are players out there that they need to, uh, uh, you know, develop, um, you know, integrations for and with um, in the areas that are most commonplace. Now, every year that I do, and you may do something like this too, John. Of I always ask people every year what are the most common third-party uh, systems that they use with their current, I'll call it membership management system, because again, people may call their CRM a Uh, membership managers. So I just use generically the membership. I ask them what are the most commonly used third-party integrations or integrators uh, that you use. Um, It's usually email marketing, mobile apps, job board, advertising, uh, LMS, and community management platforms uh, that are always kind of at the top of the list. And usually what you'll find is these AMS providers will have already some established you know, a uh, partnership arrangement with the API and integrations already there so that they can keep, you know, the membership records uh, straight. Or when we deal with monies, right, when we're talking about learning management or, um, you know, even paying for something, um, you know, having that f- financial accounting aspect that's, you know, integrated in that piece as well. Mm-hmm. And that's really where it gets challenges, you know. It's not necessarily the member records or information or profile information, it's really where it gets challenging with APIs is with financial and accounting integration, dealing with monies, and then also, um, you know, the back and forth, right, of information sharing. You'll find a lot of the lower tier AMS systems will have, um, you know, basically the capability to pull data, but they won't allow you to push it out, right? And so that's where the – and you, that's where you got to look at, too, when you're evaluating a system is, you know, um, you know when you're talking about third-party integration, what does it really provide you? What level and depth do you get um, with, you know, website content management systems? You know, is it – we need more than just single sign-on. We need more than that in order for these systems to work if you're going to use, you know, AMS's uh, – all their capabilities, but – Maybe AMS doesn't have a web content management system, so they have to integrate with Drupal or WordPress or whatever. We're out of time. So
0: let me ask one final two-party question here. So yeah. what what do you think, if you could name the, the one thing, what's the one biggest mistake that associations make when buying technology? And two, what would be your best advice uh, to anybody that's heading into a, a, a purchase cycle right now?
1: Ooh. Well, I would say that the one thing that people forget is the biggest cost of technology is not the price; it's when it doesn't work. Mm. So, when you go into thinking about the systems, don't go in with just thinking, you know, about the budget, if you will. Uh, if you aren't going to be able to solve, you know, what it is that uh, pains you or won't allow you to reach your mission, then there's no reason in spending a, a penny. So, I always say that keep that in mind. Your expectations. Um, you know, are in large part going to be, um, you know, in charge of your happiness. You have to go in with a good, clear, you know, thought process about how and what you're trying to solve um, and stay true to the compass that you develop initially on what it is important to you and throughout the search. So um, those are two things that I think I would share, you know. But the most important is, you know, knowing really what the impact is and and that, you know, Honestly, uh, there are countless horror stories about getting it wrong, you know, in terms of the systems. And so a large part of that getting it wrong has to do with, uh, honestly, uh, you know, not going through the process correctly.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, And getting it wrong. You know, at the at the point in time when you do get it wrong, or an association gets it wrong, there's nobody that agrees that saving a few dollars a few years ago was worth it. When it goes when it goes sour, you know, everybody wishes they they would have. Uh, taking the correct steps well there you have it Uh, sage advice here from uh, chad stewart uh, founder and chief software architect at smart thoughts Uh, really great uh, having you here today chad and and sharing your perspective and learning from you thank you so much john that means me a lot because i highly respect you and what
1: you're doing for sure it's
0: mutual well thanks for uh, joining us have a great day listeners and we'll we'll see you on the next episode you can find more of our resources at talentedlearning.com thank you